0: While you're finding your seats, I will welcome everybody who is watching online. Welcome to Cornerstone Community Church. I'm Pastor Brian Foreman. Our goal is to inspire and equip you to follow Jesus wholeheartedly, knowing that when you follow Jesus wholeheartedly, that makes life better and makes you better at life. For those of you that are listening to the podcast or watching online, we would love for you to check in so that we know that you are here. So you can go to our app, you can download the app. Uh, Search your app store for Church Center and then look for Cornerstone. And if you already have the app, you can check in using the button there. Uh, Get the app and check in because we wanna be able to know who you are and to welcome you personally. So uh, we are in a series in the book of Titus called Unfinished Business. And you might have noticed that I brought uh, a prop with me today And some of you have seen this before. This was my Christmas present from a couple of years ago. Uh, For those of you that don't know, I grew up in South Florida. And uh, when you look at my growing up notes, uh, you know, the the little school memory books and things like that, where they ask you, what do you want to be when you grow up? uh, I consistently would say an astronaut or a pilot, an astronaut or a pilot. And so this is is a model of an Apollo 5 rocket. That, of course, is the rocket that took the astronauts to the moon. And before we moved to New Hampshire, I made a point of taking, at that time it was just my two kids, Brian and Abby, up to Cape Canaveral where they launched the rockets to see a space shuttle launch before we left. I have to say it was very disappointing because you have to park so far away and you you can barely see it. But we did see it and so that was good. Now somebody that I worked with at our church in South Florida, she was a little bit older than me and she had actually seen one of these take off. And if you've never been to Cape Canaveral or seen the scale of this is pretty incredible. In fact, um, this model came with a scale model of a person. So that is an actual six-foot-tall person compared to this rocket. So I love this. I put this together on Christmas a couple of years ago after I got it. And I, uh, in part, I wanted to get it because of uh, the emotional attachment I have to space travel and space flight and all that. But the other thing that, that I wanted to get it for I, was it was a good picture of what I think our church Uh, Is going through and what most churches go through as they are getting started. Often a church getting started is called a church launch, and there's a good reason for that. Now, if you look at this rocket, you know, this is where the people are, this is where the moon lander is, and there's actually a little mini moon lander in there. I'll show it to you afterwards if you want. And the rest of it is fuel because it takes a massive amount of fuel to get this little part up out of the atmosphere and into space. And in fact, there are three different stages of the, uh, of the rocket, and this one actually comes apart, and I have to be careful. But what happens is when it launches, the whole thing is together, of course, and then in the first couple of minutes, Okay, now I just want to get up my little person again. Where did I put my little person? Oh, he's back here. Whoa, oh. That wasn't supposed to happen. It's okay though, watch. Because this part is the part that it, takes, that it takes all the fuel in this to get it out of gravity, just barely. Okay, so in the first couple of minutes, all of this fuel is used up. And then, oh, man, that was bad. <laughs> oh, boy. Okay. is that what happened to that rocket? Uh, no, no, actually, all of these were okay. Um, so let's just put this aside for now because we'll focus on this part. All right. First couple of minutes, all of the fuel in here is used up. It's not even out of the atmosphere yet. And then it Breaks apart, but actually stays together, you know, not like I just did. And, uh, and the rest of it drifts for just a couple of seconds, and then it ignites the second stage, and that's what actually gets it up to where it can be in orbit and prepare to go to the moon. The reason that it's such a good analogy of getting a church started is it takes so much energy... To get it started i mean once there are lots of churches around that have been going for 100 years or more it does you know they're they're orbiting it's just taking a little bit of energy and a little bit of adjustment every now and again but to actually get a church launched takes a huge amount of energy and we've spent the last 20 years now 20 years sounds like a long time but this church was built 130 years ago The congregation existed before that. That's not uncommon for New England, and we live in the new world. So we're a baby church, right? Uh, But it takes so much energy, and then there's a little bit of a pause, and then the second stage ignites. I feel like that's a good analogy, perhaps, of where we are right now. We've, we've expended a lot of energy to get where we are. There's been a little bit of a pause. There's been a huge disruption in the life of every church over the last couple of years. And now it's time to ignite the second stage. What the Apostle Paul was doing when he wrote to Titus was in essence saying, we've gotten things started right we've gotten things started on the island of crete some churches have started but now it's time to ignite the second stage it's time to move on to the next stage of development and in fact that's how he introduces the body of the letter paul says i left you on the island of crete talking to titus so you could complete our work there in other words Things have gotten started. You know, you're know you up in the atmosphere now, but now it's time to ignite that second stage and complete the work. Now, for the Apostle Paul and Titus on the island of Crete, they, uh, you could sum up the job that Paul gives Titus in the book of Titus with five words. And I'm going to give those five words to you. You can put them down in your growth guide. The message of the book of Titus in five words is this. We want to make sure that our deeds, that's the first word, deeds, line up with our creed. We want there to be integrity. We want to, to be people who do what we, they say they will do. We want our deeds to line up with our creed, that's the second word, so that we have people qualified to lead. A big part of Of what the apostle paul is doing is telling them this is what it looks like when your creed lines up with your when your deeds line up with your creed and we need people like that because those are the people who are qualified to lead and we need people to lead in these church congregations so that's the third word is lead and our reputation won't impede See, if our creed and our deeds are out of line, then our reputation is going to impede our progress. We're not going to be able to do the things that we need to do because there isn't integrity. So he wants them to have their deeds line up with their creed so that people are qualified to lead. Their reputation will impede as we meet urgent needs. And that's the fifth word is needs. So that is the entire message of the book of Titus in five words. Now, um, let's go on. So the question becomes, you're on the rocket ship. Now, what is your role and what is your part? Basically, we as the body, as the people of the church, are the fuel of that rocket. And so we have expended a great amount of energy to get this far, and now it's time to take that next step. And so the question that I'm answering for us today is this, how can I participate in what God wants to do in the world? You see, basically, no matter what you believe about Jesus, And I believe most of you believe about Jesus the way I do, but you don't even have to believe like we do to understand that when Jesus came, he basically said, I've come to set things right in the world. And so he would go around and he would heal and he would teach. He would basically meet needs. And then he went to the cross, died on the cross for our sins so that we could be forgiven for our past, but also have new life, that he would write a new script for our life going forward. And a huge part of that script is to do the things that Jesus did when he was on the earth. And very often what he did is he would go around and basically meet needs, right? I mean, there in uh, that time, there weren't hospitals, there weren't doctors, there wasn't healthcare like we think of it. So the one of the biggest needs in his Uh, in his community and the people he was among was for healing. He would heal people. They needed to know about God, so he would teach people. He uh, would go to a wedding, and they ran out of wine, and so they needed wine. So he turned the water into wine. He was constantly going into situations not with a what can I get out of it or what can you do for me mindset, but what can I do to help? How can I help? What needs are that I can meet? And then he left, returned to heaven, and said, okay, you guys are it now. You are my body. You are the physical presence of Jesus in the world today. So what do you think we should be doing? We should be meeting needs. And that's what Jesus did, and that's what he did. Ask us to do. So God is still setting things right in the world. He has done so ultimately in Jesus, and we are the instruments of that setting right. We are the ones who bear the message of the gospel, showing how people can be reconciled to God through Jesus Christ, and we also are the hands and feet of Jesus to the world meeting needs. So today, I'm going to try to, as much as possible, with the greatest amount of clarity, uh, describe what it means to be a part of a church congregation, and in particular, our church congregation. So I'm going to give you clarity, hopefully, so that you know, here's what to expect, here's how I can participate. You won't have any question about that. In the theme of clarity, I usually have a title, and I also usually have about a one-word focus on what we're talking about today. I'm gonna simplify it. Today's message called Clarity is about clarity. That is my one-word summary for it. Mm -hmm. And here is the bottom line, if you wanna go ahead and write this down, that there's a place for me in a place that meets needs. There will always, you know why people are not interested in church and don't care whether a church lives or dies? Because it's not meeting any need in their life. There will always be a place for a place that meets needs. And there is always a place for you in a place that meets needs. And in fact, that's how Jesus designed his body, the church, to work. So what are the needs that are out there? It's been said that people come to a church for a variety of different reasons. Some people, the location is good, it's near them. Some people, they like the preaching, that's a big one, or they like the music, or maybe there was a cute guy there that you're interested in and that was your motivation for going for church. But the reason that people stay at a church can be summed up and has been summed up by others as this. It's the, where you are needed, where you're noticed, and where you're nourished. And so there are people out there, there will always be people out there who need to be needed. There will always be people who need to be noticed, and there, are always, there will always be people who need to be nourished. And God's plan for meeting those needs, stares at you in the mirror every day. So I'm going to make it clear what it means to participate in the life of the church, and I'm going to encourage you and ask you to take your next step of participation in the life of your church here at Cornerstone. So let's look at the scripture passage together, and I'm going to be reading from the New Living Translation. If you'd like to follow along, this is Titus chapter two verses 11 to 15 and then I'm going to skip ahead to the end and we'll look at the last uh, a couple of the last two t- verses in the book. So this is chapter 2 verse 11. For the grace of God has been revealed, bringing salvation to all people. And we are instructed to turn from godless living and sinful pleasures. We should live in this evil world with wisdom, righteousness, and devotion to God, while we look forward with hope to that wonderful day when the glory of our great God and savior, Jesus Christ, will be revealed. He gave his life to free us from every kind of sin, to cleanse us and to make us his very own people. For what purpose? Totally committed to doing good deeds. You must teach these things. And encourage the believers to do them. You have the authority to correct them when necessary, so don't let anyone disregard what you say. And then chapter 3, verses 13 and 14. Do everything you can to help Zenus the lawyer and Apollos with their trip. See that they are given everything they need. Our people must learn to do good by meeting the urgent needs of others, then They will not be unproductive. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I thank you that you have done everything to provide everything that we need so that we might be reconciled to you and be in a right relationship with you. And I thank you, Lord, also that you have given us the privilege because you could have done it some other way. You didn't have to include us but you gave us the privilege of being involved in what you are doing in the world today you gave us the opportunity and yes even as followers of jesus the responsibility to be your hands and feet to the world so i pray lord that you would speak to every single one of us that you would show us exactly what we need to do with what we hear today and that you would meet needs in us that people came in with and through us as we leave today. pray this in Jesus' name, amen. So the verse that really stood out to me when I was studying and thinking about it this week was that very last one that I read. Our people must learn to devote themselves to doing what is good, meeting the urgent needs of others and not live unproductive lives. The commentary that i was reading pointed out that this is a consistent theme throughout the book i'm going to go through it these are not in your growth guide you don't have to write them down but i just want you to see how this is repeated over and over again in the first chapter it's talking about the opposition that titus is facing and say and paul says they are worthless for doing anything good He says to Titus as a church leader that he's to be an example to them, to his people, by doing good. When he describes what it means to be a follower of Jesus, what it looks like, It's that Jesus has made his very own people. What are they? They are totally committed to doing good. And then in the first verse of chapter three, he says his people are always ready to do what is good. So there seems to be a theme developing through this book that that's what it looks like. We are are a people who are committed, totally committed to doing what is good. And in the last verses... As he's signing off, this is still the theme that comes up. Our people must learn to devote themselves to doing good. Now, what has prompted this is he is giving his final greetings, and he mentions a couple of people. He mentions Zenus, the lawyer and Apollos. So he says, um, do everything you can. In other words, whatever it takes and give them everything they need. So, Zenos the lawyer, this is the only time in history that he is mentioned, we have no idea who he is. Apollos was well known, he's mentioned throughout the scriptures, he was the eloquent Alexandrian whose ministry overlapped with Paul. Now, what would happen is that you would have these ministers, these people who were traveling around from church to church to encourage and to teach. And so it was important because they didn't have holiday inns and Hampton inns. They needed places to stay and they needed providing for. So it was important for the church to show hospitality and to welcome them in so that they could continue their mission and send them on their way with what they needed. And so Paul is thinking about these two people that are probably the ones who took the letter to Crete, to Titus, and he says, I want you to make sure that you meet their needs. That you put them up, that you feed them well, that you send them on their way with everything that they need. Do everything you can. Leverage everything that God has placed in your hands for the benefit of others. Give them everything that they need. And for Paul, I I picture it this way. He's like, this is the need. Just want to remind you of this. But this just, again, reminds me, Paul is, is saying, of this is what we're supposed to be doing. We're supposed to be totally devoted to doing what is good. And what's the next phrase that he uses? Meeting the urgent needs of others. So does it mean to be totally devoted to doing good, to just do the things that God has planned? It's You just have your eyes open to the needs around you and you do what you can to meet those needs. So in the church, There's a place for you. There's a place for me because we are a place that is going to be meeting needs. So firstly, what is the need? People need to understand that they are needed. There will always be people who need to be needed. Now, I'm not talking about people who are needy. We may have some of those as well, but what we're saying is the same thing that we've been talking about from Ephesians four sixteen. that in the body of Christ, in the church, this is how it works. As each part, humor me and say each part. Each, uh-huh. each part, as each part, the part that looks at you in the mirror every day, does its own special work. In other words, you have a unique work, a unique contribution to make to the body of Christ if you weren't here we would be missing something just like if you were to lose a part of your body you would miss it right unless we're talking about the appendix there are no appendixes in the body of christ okay as each part does its own special work it helps the other parts so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love i want you to know that god has placed you sovereignly in his body in just the place that he wants you to be and that you have a part to play in the body and it's needed and necessary. That's why I have been and will continue to encourage you to find a place of service because if you are not in a place of service, part of our body is missing. And if you are not serving in some way, part of our body is not working. And it's important for you to know that you are needed on site, online, there are ways that people can serve. We need you to be finding that place to serve. And I want you to know that you are needed. We need you. Here's the way it was described in Titus in verse 14 of chapter two. Talking about Jesus, he gave his life to free us from every kind of sin, to cleanse us, and to make his his very own people. He's describing what happens in the gospel when a person says yes to Jesus, and then he describes what it looks like after you say yes to Jesus, and this was a verse that we referenced earlier, totally committed to doing good deeds. So part of what it means to be the part of the body is to recognize that you are needed and we need you to play your part. Now, last week, I introduced this little chart, and it's in your growth guide again today. I've filled in parts of it to help you to see the connection between last week when we talked about the groups and the different focuses that they have and what we're talking about when we're talking about participating in the life of the church. Now, earlier, we said that a great church has a great commitment to the great commission and the great commandment. The great commandment is, of course, to love God and to love your neighbor as yourself. So love God and love others. The great commission is to make disciples. Go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. That's getting people started on the journey, crossing the line of faith, and then teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, Jesus said. That's discipleship. That's continuing to grow. Now, I put in your growth guide, it won't be on the screen, the group types that we have here at Cornerstone so that you could see how they fit into that framework. But this, I'm going to fill out with what it means to fully participate in the life of the church. And it starts with serving. When you are a part of Cornerstone, the instant that you decide that this is your home church, your next step is to find a place to contribute, to find a place of service. And we're also talking about what it means to be a participating member. At Cornerstone, as I mentioned earlier, but I'll mention for the benefit of the message, membership at Cornerstone is defined by participation. So when you are participating in the life of the church, you will be affirmed as a member of the church. So the first part is that we serve with our team monthly. We serve with our team monthly. At least once a month you're doing something where you're volunteering or contributing in the life of the church. Now, if you're looking for a place that you can find in the groups, that's online, it's in the app. If you go to down at the bottom of the page of the app, you'll see where it says groups. And then as you saw last week, and so I won't spend a lot of time on that, there are all kinds of places of service. You join that group to express interest, and then we plug you in and help you find a place of service. The orange colored groups are groups that are are unique to our church. They're a part of our congregation. The Purple Groups are partnerships that we have with with other organizations outside of the church. So you need to know that you are needed. Young, old, new to the faith, old to the faith, whatever the case may be, there is a place for you and you need to know that you are needed. So there's a place for you in a place that meets needs. You need to be, needed, you need to know that you are needed, and you need to be noticed. I can't believe how many times I hear from people who visit churches that they show up, they sit down, they go through the whole service, and nobody acknowledges them, nobody notices them, nobody says hi to you. I can't imagine that that still happens today, but every once in a while I hear that that's the case. But people need to know that they are noticed. And the way sometimes that people leave a church is because they didn't need me and they didn't notice me. I, I didn't show up for a couple of weeks and I never heard from anybody again. I, I used to participate. I used to volunteer, but I just kind of drifted away and I never heard anybody f- from anybody. You need to know that you are noticed and you are missed when you are not here and you need to connect relationally in order to grow spiritually our faith is a very relational faith you don't grow on your own by yourself very well just like if you were to take a plant and put it out you know pull it out of its pot throw it on a pile not take care of it it would suffer it would probably die And that's the way it is with spiritual life as well. What church is, we hope, is like a spiritual greenhouse that pulls together all of the the elements and and environment that you need in order to grow. And part of that is knowing that you have a place to to belong and a relational connection. So that's in large part what I talked about in previous weeks with the idea of including others regularly. Now, because I already did a message on this, I'm not gonna spend a lot of time on it, but I will just remind you that as long as there are more people out there than in here, we still have work to do. There is still unfinished business. And I mentioned to you in previous weeks how this verse just really uh, stuck with me emotionally as we were launching Cornerstone. Ephesians 2.12, the Apostle Paul describes people as uh, the people who were in the church saying, this is what it used to be like for you, and this is what it's like for many people out there. You lived in this world without God and without hope. Without hope, without God in this world. They're going through the same difficulties, same trials, same challenges that you are, without the benefit of a church family, and without the hope that we have in Christ. That should do something to us emotionally. That should spur us on. That should be doing that something in our heart that is changing the way that we live so that we're always looking for ways to be including others. Or as I put it last week, always be including, A-B-C right? Uh, We're always looking for ways to include others in what God is doing. And if we are getting together for a fellowship, if we're serving in some way, if we're going to church on Sunday morning, invite, invest, include others in what you are doing. Now, another verse that has really stuck with me, as I've told you many times, is this idea from 1 Peter chapter 5, that we're to shepherd the flock of God among you. To take care, and I, again, talked about this in previous messages, how that's leading and caring and how studying Psalm 23 over the summer just reinforced to me the idea that we need to care well for the people that we have. And so that's why this next step of participation is this, to connect in a group immediately. Now, here's how I'm going to illustrate that. Got more Legos this time It's going to be easy because i can put them together rather than try to keep them together uh all right so let's say this is your pastor okay and a lego has a certain number of connections and you have to connect relationally in order to grow spiritually it's important for for you to have that kind of connection relational connection with your church so you show up at church and you're going to connect and your pastor is going to care for you going to check up on you he said when you're missed when you don't show up on sunday he's going to find out where you were he's going to ask wh- how he can be praying for you all those kinds of things so you have a point of connection and then another person comes to the church oh this is a couple uh, and so they connect to the church and so we got that here's a, a okay here's a here's a family so they're connecting to the church and that's good and Another single person comes along, and that's good. So, so far, so good. Each of these people have a point of connection. And then, uh-oh, homeschooling family. They're, they're showing up now, and they need to connect to the church. And there's there's a couple of spots, but they, they really can't connect very well. And so then there's another family that shows up. And I don't know, maybe you can try to connect. Uh, uh, he, he, he can't give as good a service here because they're on the, the bottom there. And, but you get the point, right, that, that they're, they're not connecting very well. And there's only so much capacity that one person, even a very talented pastor, can connect with people, right? And so then what happens is that those, those other connections, they're not very strong. And so it's easy to, for people to kind of fall through the cracks or to not know what's going on with them. But did you notice that each one of these connections has other connections as well? The body of Christ, as we've been describing it, is was never designed to be one super talented, extra special person who will take care of the spiritual needs of everybody. That church has about Eight people on it, right? But what can happen is if the body of Christ ministers to the body of Christ, and you you know, there's some people that have real high capacity. I mean, they can they can handle a lot, they can minister to the pastor, right? And you keep building and adding those connections so that there is mutual care and you are caring for one another. Then you begin to build something, and each person ministers to other people, and you start having these connections, and they're strong, and they stay together. That's how Jesus designed his body to work. So what we want to do at Cornerstone is make sure that everybody has a point of connection. So we've already been doing this to an extent. We're going to ramp this up a little bit. We have groups that are focused on this idea of knowing one another, connecting relationally to one another. And even during the disruption of the last couple of years, you guys have been doing a great job of staying connected and making sure that our church family has those points of connection. We need to expand that. In the churches that Sue Ellen and I grew up in, they would have a board of deacons And when you became a part of the church, you were assigned a particular deacon, and that was your point of connection. And so you made sure that they knew what was going on with you, if you needed visiting in the hospital, if there was some need, if there was a prayer request. You always knew exactly who you needed to connect with in order to connect with the church. Our life groups serve that same purpose. We need to emphasize that and expand that. And so in that group, in those group listings that I've already been talking about, you will see groups that have this aqua kind of color to them. And there's a new one that's called new. If you don't have that point of connection and you're a part of the church, we want to connect you. And, by the way, back to the idea of service, we're going to need more people who will take responsibility for keeping track of people, connecting with people. Now, in the past, we've usually thought of life groups as meetings. I don't want you to think of them as meetings. I want you to think of them as ministry. People, you're probably gonna have meetings, but you won't necessarily have to have a meeting in order to minister to and keep track of and stay connected relationally with the people. And that's what I'm going to ask you to do as a life group leader, as a pastor of your little group. Um, Meeting together is important, but it's a tool. Look at this from Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24. This is the one that everybody uses, verse 24 and 25, to encourage people to show up in person at church. I've done it before. I will continue to do so. But here's what I noticed when I was looking at this over the pandemic. The main thing, see, because it goes on to say, it says, Let's consider how we spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Verse 25 says, not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together, as is the habit of some. Some of us have gotten in the habit of not being in the habit of church over the past couple of years. It's not, it's not healthy, it's not good. But notice the main thing is to spur one another on towards love and good deeds. That's ministry. Meeting together is a tool that helps us accomplish that. But the main idea of this verse and the main idea of these life groups is to spur one another on toward love and good deeds. So there's always a place for you. There's a place for me in this place because we are going to be meeting needs. You need to know that you're needed. And when you come to Cornerstone, you are going to be noticed. And we're going to do everything we can to structure things so that nobody falls through the cracks. And lastly, you need to be nourished. People show up, and remember the idea of shepherding. You lead, and you feed, and you care. We were just talking about care. Now we're talking about feeding. Usually feeding is is... is a is a metaphor for the teaching of the church. And so in the book of Titus, he says, I left you on the island of Crete so you could complete our work and appoint elders in each town as I instructed you. And in the last couple of weeks, we pointed out how elders, the modern equivalent in our setting, is pastors. So he's saying, you need people who are going to lead, feed, care, and protect. That's the that's the, the model of shepherding. And that that the feeding part is the nourishment part. In Ephesians chapter 4, same author Paul says their responsibility, talking about the pastoral leadership in a church, their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work. Not to hire him to do the work, but he's going to equip you and hopefully inspire you to do the work, to build the body, to build up the church, which is the body of Christ. So, What do we do in order to see that happen? Well, that's the idea of worship. We gather together weekly, and that's the primary and premier way that we feed and teach. It's not the only way, but it's an important tool. And what you have found, if you are honest with yourself, I believe, over the last couple of years, is that there's no substitute for gathering in person. You can watch online, and I hope you do if you don't have any other option. But it's something about being in the same room with your brothers and sisters in Christ. Now, the other part is you have to show up to serve in many cases. You know, the number of people serving weekly has actually gone down a little bit over the past couple of years because we hadn't had as many opportunities to get together and serve one another. You can participate in the life of the church, but if you're going to serve in the church, Very often, your opportunity to do that is when we get together as a church. So as a participant in the life of the church, you're going to worship together weekly. Now, there's a couple of other aspects to this. I'm going to fill this out, but those are the primary ones. We worship together weekly. That's how people usually start out. As this becomes your church, you're going to serve with your team monthly. You're always looking for ways to include others, and we make sure that we include others by setting up these groups so that you connect. And I hope that if this is your church, you will connect in a group immediately. Go there, find that group, connect with that group. Uh, The other way that we serve, leveraging what God has placed in our hands for the benefit of others, is to give consistently. I'm just going to say thank you once again, because over the past couple of years, we still have not taken up an offering in person since March of 2020, and you have continued to give faithfully and consistently and fund the church. But that is an important part of what it means to be participants in the church. Imagine if you were being invited to to be a part of a startup business. What are they looking for? They're looking for your time, talents, and treasure, right? They need people who have certain skills, they need people who are willing to work, and they need investors. What if somebody came to you and said, I want you to be a part of this business I'm starting up, and you said, great, I would love to do that. I'll make all the decisions, I'll uh, make up business cards for myself, and they're like, great, so what are you gonna, no, I'm not gonna give you any money. I'm not gonna work in this business. I'm not going to do anything. I just want to be, that would be silly, right? Okay, in the same way, if you are a participant in the life of the church, you're obviously going to be investing. You're going to be leveraging what God has given you for the benefit of your church family. So it means giving consistently. For participating members, that means giving a tithe. The tithe is just a biblical word for 10%. Why 10%? It's a biblical precedent, it's not a law, it's not a heaven or hell thing, but when you give at that level, you are showing uh, your commitment to the church, you are honoring God with your resources, you're following the biblical precedent, and also it's a significant enough amount that it forces you to be a good steward with the other 90%, and you find in my experience and in the experience of many people sitting around you, that your 90% will go farther because you become a better steward or manager of the rest of your resources. Now, I hope that might be a step too far for some of you right now. I would encourage you to do it because I think you'll find that it'll be a great experience. But everybody who's a part of the church should be giving something. There's no substitute for that. So we give consistently, and that, again, is as much for your benefit as for the benefit of the church. Uh, So you can do that on the app and in the other ways. Now, the last thing, loving God, making spiritual progress. Every week, I encourage you to say yes to Jesus. Now, most of the time, I'm doing that in the context of getting started on this journey of faith. To say yes to Jesus for the first time, yes to his forgiveness, that what you want, what he did on the cross to count for you, for your sins to be forgiven, your guilt to be washed away, and for you to have a new start, to walk with Jesus from that point on going forward. That he is the Lord, he's the master, he's the boss, he's the one that gets to call the shots. But in the scriptures, I think it's again the apostle or Paul, maybe it's John, says, uh, We continue. Continue in Christ in the same way that you got started in Christ. Saying yes to Jesus is not just something that you do once and you're done. It is what we do as followers of Jesus on a daily basis, isn't it? We say yes to Jesus. We have open hands before him. And what he calls us to do, what he challenges us to do, the way he directs and leads us by his Holy Spirit, we are going to say yes. So I, we encourage you to say yes but we also encourage you to continue to say yes. Here's how it said in one of the other pastoral epistles. He, God, wants not only us, but everyone saved, everyone to know the truth that we have learned. And I'll encourage you to take a minute, in, uh, maybe in your private devotion time, to read this passage. It's in your growth guide as well. kind of goes more in-depth than that. But that is the heart of this aspect of it in fact in titus this is what it says he gave his life to free us from every kind of sin to cleanse us to make us his very own people totally committed to doing good deeds he gives his life and we offer our life back to him as a living sacrifice in return and so that's why i encourage everyone to do that and in your check-in, if you're online, you'll see that that's an option there. If you're using the cards, you'll see that say yes is one of the things printed along the bottom. If you just circle that, you can that's your way of indicating that I'm doing that for the very first time. I am saying yes to Jesus. And then what we do is we teach these things and we encourage the believers to do them. So again, at the bottom of your card in the check-in, check there are all of these different steps of participation in the life of your church, and the challenge is to take your next step. This is what it looks like to be a participant in the life of the church. It might seem like a lot, but you get a lot out of it. The amount that you put in is often the amount that you get out of something, right? And so if you put in just a little bit, you're not going to get much out. But if you are all in in following Jesus, this is how we've defined it. And we find that if you do these things, you will grow. And that's primarily why we encourage them. We know that if you participate in the life of the church, your life will be better because following Jesus makes life better and makes you better at life. So figure out your next step of participation. For some of you, you're already doing this. And that's why I put the membership covenant in there because we want to affirm you as members because you're already doing this. Some of you, you just need to make it official. You're, you're, you're there, you're saying yes, you're a part of this church, you're contributing, but now you just need to go through and say, yeah, I'm doing that. Yes, I'm committed to that. And you're doing that maybe for the first time. You are ready to become a participating member, so I'd encourage you to do that. For others, you need to just take that one next step, whatever that is. Let me pray for you, and with the amen, we'll be released to our discussion groups. Heavenly Father, Lord, again, I thank you for giving us the privilege of participating in what you're doing. I thank you, Lord, that you speak to us, And I pray, Lord, that you would show each one of us exactly what we need to do as our next step in the participation in the life of your body. I pray that you would make it clear to us, that you would encourage us, and that you would grant us the faith and courage to take that step. We thank you for what you are going to do because I believe that if you get a hold of this group of people, if we are committed to saying yes to you daily and investing in what you are doing, meeting needs, leveraging the things that you have placed in our hands for the benefit of those around us, meeting the needs that we encounter in our daily life, that we're going to have some amazing stories to tell and see you at work in amazing ways. I thank you for this. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.